Welcome everybody to the second episode of Rap Rewind. I am your host, Roger Sierra. I'm Talon Williams. And I'm Chip Hazard. And today we are delving into the Marshall Mathers LP, um, released on May 23rd, 2000. Is Eminem's third studio album, but we don't consider it infinite to be in that situation. So this is the second one. <laughs> right. Um <laughs> uh, it's it's his third uh major record studio album. Right. Yeah. Um so this album um obviously was on Aftermath Entertainment, which is part of Interscope Records. Um the album was produced mostly by Dr. Dre and Eminem, um along with the forty five King, Bass Brothers, and Mailman. Um it was recorded over a two month period in several studios around Detroit. And the album features more introspective lyricism, including Eminem's thoughts on his ra- uh, rise from rags to riches, um, his criticism, the criticism of his music, and his estrangement from his family and wife. Uh, it's a transgressive work. It incorporates horrorcore and hardcore hip hop, uh, also in satirical, you know, songs. Uh, and it also has this time it actually has features from um, Ditto. RBX, Sticky Fingers, Bizarre, Snoop Dogg, Exhibit, Nate Dogg, and D12. Right. Um, and like its predecessor, the March Matter LP was surrounded by significant controversy upon its release, while also propelling Eminem to the forefront of American pop culture. Like, you can't cancel Eminem, y'all. <laughs> nope. they're, they're trying to do it again, and they're just going to make him more popular. So Gen- just stop. Gen Z, stop. <laughs> stop what you're doing. Yeah. Um, criticism centered on lyrics that were considered violent, homophobic, misogynistic, as well as reference to the Columbine High School's massacre. Um, just a lot of stuff. Uh, they even had a U.S. Senate hearing about it. Um, the Canadian government almost considered refusing Eminem's entry into the country, which is stupid. <laughs> if he's packing your stadiums, you're getting revenue from that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't get it. Like, if he's popular and he's making y'all money, why are you trying to stop him from making y'all money? Fuck, f- yeah. F- yeah, because fuck free speech, right? I mean... Yeah. Um, despite the controversy of the album, it also, recla- uh, it also received acclaim from critics who praised Eminem's lyrical ability and considered the album to have more have emotional depth, which is true. Like, I I said that this is the, the switch from Slim Shady to actually being Eminem, Marshall Mathers, oh, yeah. instead. Um... But the album debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. Not a surprise. Um, it stayed atop for about eight weeks. Um, a significant commercial success compared to the re- uh, release of his first, or sorry, second album, Some Shady LP. Um, the album sold 1.78 million copies in its first week, which is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. It made it among one of the fastest selling studio albums in the United States. And the album produced singles like the real some shady the way i am stan i'm back uh bitch please too and among other publications rolling stones named it the best album of 2000 um so this one is probably is it is really more lyrically better i guess than the some shady lp um at least with what like his storytelling. I mean, his storytelling. The first one's really good, but it's also focused just about around being some shady and his goofiness. While this one's more of realism, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so the Marshall Mather, Marshall. I can't. Why can I never say his name fast like that? Marshall <laughs> just, Mathers just LP. 
Marshall Mather LP has been included in several lists of the greatest albums of all time and widely regarded as Eminem's best album. Um, it has sold 21 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling albums of all time, Certified Diamond. Uh, speaking of which, we did an episode on the eight hip-hop albums that are Diamond. I think 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die trying to sneak it up there, so it might be nine soon. Correct. But yes, we, we did this episode. We talked about them. Um, just a little asterisk in that episode because of uh, Talon and his um, Kid Rockism. Let me get rock this. No, I, 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 I considered it a rock album. I didn't consider it a hip hop record, but it's whatever. I mean, no. I mean, in the episode, we, I mean, we, we left it like that. Yeah. We didn't want to dispute or anything. I mean, that's it. Could be seen either way. Right. We said that, so it's yeah. fine. Um, the album was also uh, nominated for album of the year and won best rap album of the 2001 Grammys. While the real some shady won best rap solo performance. Um, he released a sequel in 2013, the Marshall Mather LP two. Um, and we will talk about that album when we get to it later on. Yes. So, um, so what do you guys like think about like I, like I said already I think this one's lyrically better because it's more realism in that sense um it's not the goofy slim shady but this is actually Eminem speaking to us um on a personal level so what do you guys think about the album I I personally think that this album was way more aggressive way more angry um because of several different album several different songs that was on the album um I think it was Lyrically, I think it, he was just beyond insane. I mean, I mean, he, I'm never going to take away his ability as a lyricist. I mean, his lyric, his his lyricism, to me, is up there among the greatest of greats. Um, and just you know, playing off words and you know, being able to take you know each story that he tells is is almost like, and it's not not just the the the, the stories that he was able to tell. But he was also, you know, taking shots at people within, you know, the industry, taking shots with people, you know, in in the in the genre. Like, I mean, it was so many. Like, he went after people in, on this record. In some cases, like he went after Insane Clown Posse. He said something about Jennifer Lopez. Like, I mean, he just a little bit more vulgar in some aspects than on previous records. And there was some elements, and I know you, you talked about there was the Marshall Mathers and the Slim Shady, and there's kind of a difference between the two. But you still heard some Slim Shady, especially in songs like I'm Back and Under the Influence and, you know, different songs like that. But this song particular, this album particular, way more aggressive. And in my opinion, I think it, this album, even though I, I, I love the Slim Shady LP, I think the Marshall Mathers LP exceeded that and definitely exceeded the expectations that people may have had for that second record. Joe, what about you? Oh, I definitely agree. Uh, a lot of people were expecting him to come into this album and have the quote unquote sophomore slump where it wasn't, you know, a, a lot of artists, their, their second major record label album uh, doesn't do as well as their first and so they call that the sophomore slump. Uh, but I think he, this album far exceeded what anybody thought it would do. Uh, I think anybody other than Eminem, because uh, he he he, I think he will always tell you that the next album is going to be his greatest. Right. 
Um, so a little background on this one. Um, so right on the success of some shady LP. Um, obviously that album performed really well. Uh, it debuted at number two on the Billboard 200. It sold 283 copies in its first week. Uh, won Best Rap Album in 2000 for the 42nd Annual uh, Grammys. And my name also won Best Rap Solo Performance. So he did a double-double back-to-back pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, on his first two albums, which is astonishing. Because, um, you know, like Chip was talking about, the sophomore slump is a real thing. Um, sometimes the second album doesn't hit as good or expectations are set differently. Um, but... After the success of this album, um, he, he, Eminem noticed a drastic change in his lifestyle. Um, in June of 1999, he married his uh, then-girlfriend, Kim, uh, the mother of Haley, even though, you know, he made a song, 97 Bonnie and Clyde, about killing <laughs> her. And Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, that yeah. song pales <laughs> into comparison to what we're going to talk about on this, this record. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. But... Uh, after this, um, Eminem sort of became uncomfortable and um, slightly paranoid with the level of fame he had achieved. Um, he was going around saying he couldn't trust no anybody. Uh, everybody was that he was meeting wasn't meeting Marshall. They were meeting Eminem. Um, and he didn't know if they were hanging with him because they liked him or because of, you know, him being Eminem. Right. Um, he... He's still touted as a very highly controversial figure, obviously because of his lyrical content, uh, very misogynistic, uh, nihilist. Um, he's an advocate of domestic violence. Um, and he was accused of making money by exploiting the world's misery. Isn't that what music sort of supposed to do is to bring attention to stuff like that and relate to people, you know, for the most part, like, have you feel something? Yeah, I, I, I thought so. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I've said it before on many different episodes. Music, it, when you listen to music, you're supposed to feel one of two things. You're supposed to feel cathartic, or ther- it's supposed to be cathartic or therapeutic. Um, people yeah. listen to music to chill, or they listen to music to to get motivated. You know, and I think a lot of, a lot of, you know, of course, the music that I listen to, I listen from a wide variety of different music, everything from heavy metal to the point of like suicide silence you know as i lay dying bands like that and then go moving over to hip-hop with like eminem and you know all the bands all the artists there and then you can listen to like other stuff outside of those two genres you know um but it 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 depends on the mood it depends on the song itself like what you're feeling like you could go through a fucking breakup and then you can listen to a song like three like three days grace you know like I hate everything about you. Why do I love you? Or something like that. You know, like there's a way of music has a way of connecting you to where you can like feel the emotion. And it's like, you know what? Someone else is going through this shit, same shit that I went through, you know? So if they're okay, I'm okay. It's going to be okay. You know? Yeah. Um, So a little bit more, a little bit more on the background. Um, he was actually considering calling the album Amsterdam after um, touring for the Slim Shady LP. He they went to Amsterdam and had a short trip there. Um, and while there, him and his friends engaged heavily in drugs. 
and the free use of drugs Eminem observed during his time in Amsterdam greatly influenced his desire to openly discuss drug use in his music inspired some of the content of the album. Right. Um, so the album they did make in a two month uh, creative binge, um, often spending 20 hours in the studio. Um, Dr. Dre said that they wouldn't, you know, wake up at two in the morning and be like, hey, I got an idea and let's hit the studio. They would just walk in and just do it there. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, to have that to have that privilege, to have that luxury to just wake up. Hey, I know you sleep here and shit. Smoke a blunt, drink you something. We got to go, <laughs> you know, let's go, you know, uh, to the studio. I got an idea. Like, Oh, shit. OK. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Proceed. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, so throughout the, like, there was a lot of things going on in the studio. Uh, Eminem was here at, you know, Jeff Bass, uh, casually strumming a guitar. Um, it got him creatively going on some things there. Um, he heard a piano riff that Bass also did in the next studio. It inspired uh, Criminal, uh, Kill You. He actually heard uh, the track playing in the background. Uh, while talking to Dr. Dre on the phone, and that got him going there. Uh, the first song, Kim, was actually... Well, Kim was the first song he actually uh, recorded for the album. Um, he wrote Kim at a time in which he and his wife were separated, and he had just watched a romantic movie alone at the theater. It's very depressing. Is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine a man, a grown man crying walking out of a movie theater like oh man what movie did you see you ever seen a walk to remember oh shit what's wrong with this guy (laughs) who hurt you (laughs) who hurt you um so originally the intent uh he intended to write a love song for her while using ecstasy um you know that sounds (laughs) fantastic (laughs) this is the greatest episode we Um, ever did (laughs) the rapper actually hoped to avoid overt sentimentally uh sentimentality uh and does begin writing a song of hate which was the complete opposite of his original thought right. so uh <laughs> uh so with with the track uh eminem aimed to actually create a short horror story in the form of a song still not what he really was going for but you know right who might who might tell him how to make millions of right. dollars right <laughs> um once the couple uh, reconciled, Eminem call, recalls, I asked her to tell me what she thought of it. I remember my dumbass saying, I know this is a fucked up song, but it shows how much I care about you. Man, ain't that some trailer park cop shit. <laughs> was, Eminem, was Eminem the original Kyle? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he, this motherfucker is from 8 Mile, in case you forgot. <laughs> um, gosh. Uh, that just caught me so off guard. Go ahead. I just like it just caught me so. So uh, the second track they recorded with um, Stan, which is a really great song. Um, great storytelling overall. Oh my um, god, yes. Um, even if like even if you had never seen the video, the the video is literally the actual song. Like you can close your eyes while listening song and. What you imagine is actually what happens in the video. Like it's so perfect. It's uh, ridiculous yeah. how good they made that video. Um, yeah. But uh, the Forty Five King actually produced Stan. Um, Eminem's manager Paul Rosenberg actually sent him a tape of the producer's beat, 
and the sec and the second track featured a sample of English songwriter Ditto's "Thank You," um, which she actually is in the song and on um, she's on the song and the video yeah. actually. Yes. Um, upon hearing the song's lyrics, Eminem felt they described in the uh, felt they described in the obsessed fan, which became the inspiration of the song. Um, the writing process for Stan differed greatly from Eminem's usual strategy, in which the song concepts form in which song concepts form during the writing. Uh, yeah, so he as I guess as he was writing it, like it came kept coming to him instead of just like him writing all the way out. Right. So that's probably why it's more of a storied like song. Um, it's a little bit longer too, so it makes more sense that way. Right. And Stan was one of the few songs that actually sat down and had everything mapped out for. Oh, so I just said that wrong. He actually already had it laid out. I guess he was trying to connect it to make it sen- make sense. <laughs> right. Um, he knew what it was going to be about. And then the later Ditto actually heard the song, enjoyed it, and observed. I got this letter out of the blue one day. It said, we like your album. We've used this track. Hope you don't mind. Hope you like <laughs> it. Um, when they sent Stan to her. Um, she played it in a hotel room and was like, "Wow, this track's yeah. amazing!" And all it was, yeah, and uh, all it was was they just used the first, the first part of the first verse of uh, the uh, the song "Thank You" is all it was. Um, and if you actually heard the entire, did they song, use some of the beat? Huh? Did they use like the? They, the, the yeah, they sampled. Yeah, they though? sampled the beat too. Um, but it, it was just like the melody, not even like the full like much of it. Actually, it's just like that one right. repeat. Yeah, and, over and, over and uh, I mean, and for. You know, and if you actually heard the entire song "Thank You" by Dido, she actually does. I mean, it's actually a pretty pretty good song. I mean, if you you hear, you know, oh, really you go, you know, you can hear it in the in the in the in the supermarkets and things like that. But or if you you know happen to listen to Sunday Night Two Point Three, um, but we're not getting paid by them, by the way. Um, but you know, what I'm saying that that's one of those. Um, it's one of them songs where it's like, damn, I heard it because when I first heard, like going through the grocery store, I hear my tea's gone cold. I'm like. Are they really playing Eminem in the fucking store? And it's like, the fuck is this shit? Where's Eminem? It's like, where's Dear Stan? You know, or Dear Slim? You know, like. But I was like, okay, you know. But, but then I started like, oh, okay, there was a sample. Ah, oh, that makes sense now. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the album. Huh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was I was just to say, uh, on this album, the record label actually speculated. That M would be the first artist to sell a million copies in an album's first week. Uh, these expectations place a large burden on M, who recalled, I was scared to death. I wanted to be successful, but before anything, I just wanted respect. Now, I take that to heart, you know, about anything, like even with this podcast. Yes, I want this podcast to be successful. But above that, like, I want it to be respected. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, yes. You I know. mean, we're making we're making moves. People actually are liking us. I mean, we yeah. still got people listening. <laughs> right. Um, well, luckily, the album actually sold 1.7 um, million copies this first week. So, you know, the projections were right. Um, but this album actually has, with the special edition, it has 19 tracks. Mm-hmm. Um only three of them technically are skits, so uh, 16 total songs. Um, they run about the album, depending on which one you give, you get the special edition, runs about 77 minutes. Um, and the first actual song on it is Kill You. Yep. Um, so, what did you guys' um, thoughts, like memories, thoughts about this song to begin with? 
I mean, he came straight out the gate with it. I mean, <laughs> which, which, even when they did the whole thing, because you remember at the beginning of uh, the public service announcement from Slim Shady LP was more along the lines of like nice and you know letting you know, and then the then but then the public service announcement for this one was like Slim Shady does not give a fuck what you think. Like, okay, that's different than what we heard last time going straight into Kill You. Um. Uh. So yeah, I think Kill You was one of those songs that's like. When when he kicks off with, they can't say I can't rap about being broke no more. They didn't say I can't rap about coke no more. And then it's like, thinking I won't choke no whore to the vocal cords that work in the throat no more. I'm thinking, okay, he's coming out the gate with it real real quick. It's it, it, He's going crazy. Here we go. You know, and just the lyrical content from the get-go was completely different from Slim Shady LP, I think. Yeah. Oh, oh, for um, sure. Um, You know, in his book, Angry Blonde, he wrote about this particular song that he wanted to start the album with that song because everybody in the press was like, what's he going to rap about? He's not miserable anymore. The whole idea of this song was to say some of the most fucked up shit just to let people know that I'm back, that I didn't lose it, that I wasn't compromising nothing, and that I didn't change. If anything, I got worse. <laughs> uh, right. And then Lynn Cheney, the, the vice president, uh, or the vice second lady of the United States from 01 to 09 called for age restrictions on music sales after citing lyrics from Kill You. She was very vocal against Eminem and this song in particular. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> yeah. And then he he, 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 um... he, messed, he messed around with a lot of... Why are you laughing? You you got Amy with this? You okay? Okay. <laughs> oh, she's dead. He got her. Yes. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> he was very. <laughs> you know, when you have lyrics in this song like "Shut up, slut! You're causing too much chaos. Just bend over and take a take it like a slut, okay, ma? Oh, now he's raping his own mother, abusing a whore, snorting coke." And we gave him the Rolling Stones cover. You're goddamn right, bitch. And now it's too late. I'm triple platinum and tragedies, tragedies happened in two states. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, but, uh, but, but like, right after that, he goes, I invented violence, you vile, venomous, violent bitches, vain, viking, like that whole chainsaw thing, you know? You know? It's just, it's just, he was so insane with his lyricism on this record, you know? Um, well, I think this was. I think that was the right opening because it was him still being slim. But right. then the next song transitions him to being Eminem. Um, the next song, obviously, uh, being Stan. Yeah. Um, that song is like six, almost seven minutes long. Um, and you couldn't tell. You can literally just listen to it over and over. The beat. It's perfect. That that eight oh eight bass at the very beginning, just how hard it hits. Yep. And then when Diddle just comes in and the rain noise is hitting, like it's just it was one of those it's one of the best songs just produced ever, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it's you know, in uh, Go ahead, Seattle, I'm sorry. I mean, he intended for this song oh, I'm uh, I'm sorry. Uh he intended for this song to be a message to fans who had written him disturbing letters indicating that he had taken or that they had taken the Slim Shady's violent lyrics seriously. Another reason M wrote this was to make the critics who were saying things about him feel stupid. 
His aim was to disprove those who felt he lacked talent and relied on shock value. Yeah. <clears throat> well, he definitely proved them critics wrong. Right? Yeah. You know, but um, and it starts off, you know, was like where he's speaking as Stan through the first three verses where he was like, Dear Slim, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. Left my cell, my page, and my home phone at the bottom. You know, I sent you two letters back in autumn. You must have not have got them. Probably was a problem at the post office or something. Like, almost like this fan is like, because I think it's it, it's crazy because like in a weird weird way the sound the, the song sounds sounds so archaic in a sense from the sense from the standpoint that this was the year two thousand and here we are twenty one years later and people don't even write letters ever anymore you know everything's over uh, you know Facebook Twitter Instagram all these different you know social media outlets and things of that nature. And it's, it's, we, we, we're connected to each other at a quicker pace now than we've ever been, you know? So for it, for it to be for, for the lyrical content for this to be, when people nowadays listen to it, it's like, man, this song, this song, how, how old is this song? Well, this song was just in the year 2000, man, you guys are old, like, fuck you. But anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, it does sound a little bit archaic when, when he's talking about it. Um, but he wraps it at the end saying, you know, just a chat, truly yours. This is your biggest fan. This is Stan. And then the second verse is very more like he's getting frustrated. You know what I mean? When he talked about uh, the one part where he's like, you know, if you didn't want to sign, if you didn't want to talk to me after the concert, you didn't have to, but you could at least sign an autograph from Matthew. That's my little brother, man. He's only six years old. We waited in the blistering cold for you for four hours, and you just said no. That's pretty shitty, man. You're like his fucking idol. He wants to be just like you. He likes you more than I do. And that particular part of the song where he talks about his brother Matthew, spoiler alert, it kind of bleeds into Marshall Mathers LP2 on the first track. And I'm not going to spoil anything. We'll wait till we get to that point. You know, and then, well, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was going to say. Uh, so, so this song in itself, uh, it cemented itself in history with Stan being entered into the Oxford Dictionary as an informal noun. Uh, it is generally considered to be a portmanteau of stalker or fan, but Oxford actually describes it or defines it as an over overzealous or obsessive fan of a particular celebrity so this song took the word the, the name stan and it's now in the oxford dictionary that's crazy uh, like that right there tells you how far eminem came from the first album to the second album right and um, yeah and then once you get into the third verse of this where it said where he's angry now you know, where he goes, Dear Mr. I'm too good to call and write my fans. This will be the last package I ever seen your ass. It's been six months, no word. I don't deserve it. I know you got the last two letters I wrote the address on them perfect. Pretty much. And then you, as he's continuously going through the song and everything, he's like, See Slim, shut up, bitch. I'm trying to talk. And then you can actually hear like kicking and, you know, scratching and clawing and actual like it, like as if you're driving because they use it's, it's, it was brilliant the way that they use the effects of the noise and stuff, you felt like you were inside the car with him as he was reciting this. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's what it felt like, you know, where he goes, 
uh, you know, it says, hey, Slim, that's my girlfriend screaming in the trunk, but I didn't slit her throat. I just tied her up. See, I ain't like you because if she cover, if she suffocates, she'll suffer more and then she'll die too. Well, got to go almost to the bridge now. Oh, shit. How, I forgot how I'm supposed to send this shit out. The car, you hear, you know, you hear the car tires squeal. You hear the crash. You hear this big splash like they just went over the bridge. And the very last verse is Eminem speaking as Eminem writing the letter back to Stan. And, you know, as he's, you know, going through the whole thing, it ends with, you know, the, the final part of it is like, I just don't want you to go and do some crazy shit. I seen this one shit on the news a couple of weeks ago that made me sit. Some dude was drunk, drove his car over a bridge and had his girlfriend in the trunk. She was pregnant with his kid. And in the car, they found a tape. They didn't know who it was to come to think about it. His name was, it was you. Damn. And then that, you know, it compensated the whole story, you know, and if you ever see the music video of the song, it fits perfectly. Uh, so here's an interesting fact about this song. In 2011, Eminem uh, revealed on Shade 4-5, his um, radio station on Sirius XM, that there is actually another verse to this song. Really? Interesting. never, yeah. Uh, never got released. Wow. Never got released. So, uh, in in that verse, Stan actually makes it out of the water, uh, and he comes to M's house to kill him, and he had to kill him first. But I missed him, and he was in the hospital for like three weeks. Then he gets pissed off that I didn't write him any get well cards, so he came to kill me again. And in the very last verse, I finally just blow his head off. Um. So yeah, I'm glad he didn't put that in there. Yeah, yeah me too. Because uh, that kind of would that kind of so took he, away. He had from actually it, though, wrote. I, I think so. So yeah. he'd actually wrote more to the song, which I, I find interesting because the song, the way it is, I think is perfect. Right. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, so, I think adding to it uh, would probably maybe have not i wouldn't say less in it yeah. but i mean it would definitely would have been like okay this is maybe too long like because after you've already done the humble to the frustrated to the angry death and then it circles back around you know it kind of makes sense to, do, to end it the way that you ended it yeah uh and then uh, so as ta talent as you alluded to earlier uh in 2013 eminem released a follow-up in the form of the song bad guy where Stan's younger brother Matthew actually comes to avenge uh, Stan's death. Right. So, yeah. Spoiler alert to anybody who hasn't heard it. But we will uh, obviously we will go into that later when we get to that. Right. Album. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of albums to actually go between <laughs> right. that too. So. Oh yeah. <clears throat> um, so the next um, actual song on the album is uh, "Who Knew." Um, what do you guys like? What what did you like think about this song? This is actually a song that I I, I enjoy it. Um, I do think that this is a song where he was like, because even the chorus when he goes, "I never knew I would get this big. I never knew I would affect this kid. I never knew I'd give him to slit his wrist. I never knew I'd give him to hit hit this bitch." So basically, it's him basically saying like, "Hey, you guys are mad at me. Like I don't promote my music to children. If if children happen to listen to this, because he says it in at the end of a." Uh, at the end of the uh, the first verse, he goes, "Fuck that! Take drugs, wake sluts, make fun of gay clubs, men who met, men who wear makeup. Get it? Get aware. Wake up. Get a sense of humor. Stop trying to censor music. This is for your kids' amusement. 
Don't blame me if little Eric jumps off of the terrorist. You should have been watching him. Apparently, you ain't parents. Basically saying, like, you know what? The responsibility for what your kids listen to is on you, basically. You know, don't blame me because I didn't, I didn't, I never knew I'd get this big. I didn't know I would, your kid would do some crazy shit because of me, you know? Um, right. Which he does, which he later alludes to in the song white america from uh the the uh the m&m show which we'll get to that at the on the next episode of this um but yeah what do you think what do you think chip uh i i really really like this song uh it's it's very telling for somebody who you know came from nothing and now has something uh you know, and, you know, he's basically telling you, like, I, I never knew I would get this big, you know, uh, and then, you know, like the first verse, uh, I, I think is, is pretty interesting because it's like, he says, I don't do black music. I don't do white music. I make fight music for high school kids. I put lives at risk when I drive like this. I put wives at risk with a knife like this, like, <laughs> right, you know. So he's basically telling you, like, I never knew I would get this big, but then, like, here's why, you know? Right. So <clears throat> there's, and then the second verse was another one where he goes, "So who's bringing the guns into this country? I couldn't sneak a plastic pellet gun through customs over in London, and last week I seen a Schwarzenegger movie where he's shooting all sorts of these motherfuckers with a Uzi." And I see these three kids in the front row screaming go with their 17-year-old uncle. I'm like, guidance. Ain't they got the same moms and dads who got mad when I asked if they liked violence? Which is a callback to what he said on My Name Is from the, the Slim Shady LP where he was like, hi, kids. Do you like violence? You know? So it kind of yeah. kind of brings it full circle again. So. What say you, Raj? Um, this one was... When I went back and listened to it, uh, I actually had forgot about it. But now that I listen to it again, I do like it a little bit more. Um, it's like you guys were saying, it's something referencing the controversies, I guess, um, that he had to suffer through for no reason, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it is stupid that it's done that parents always blame someone else for their bad parenting. Um this album's never geared towards kids, so why do you let your kids listen to it? Come on, like, right? It's right. just stupid stuff right. like that. Um, but I mean, he he called them out. Like, it makes sense. Like, he's not supposed to be, you know, for the kids. Yeah, he's not a fucking no. role model. That's what he no. said in yeah. the uh, fucking role model from the Soul Shady. The first, right? Yeah, he did. He does have one um, in the third verse of this. He's like, "Skibidi be bop," a Christopher Reeve, Sonny Bono, skis horses and hitting some trees. It's like, holy shit. And then he's like, how many retards will listen to me? I run up on a school shooting when they're pissed at the teacher, her, him. Is it you? Is it them? Wasn't me. Slim Shady said to do it again. Damn, how much damage can you do with a pen? Man, I've just been fucked up as you would have been. You know, like kind of playing off the whole, you know, again, like you're blaming me for some shit that somebody else did. Stop, you know, which that's not the first time that, which I think this is the first time that he mentions it, but it won't be the last time that he mentions no, no, no. It's a couple. Of, he actually mentioned the Columbine shooting a couple of times already. On the, we, we didn't even got to the part where they actually, when he actually gets like delving straight into it at that point. So, 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. one tidbit about this song: it was actually intended to be the lead single for this album, but Interscope wanted something more radio friendly, so Eminem wrote the real Slim Shady for that purpose. Right. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, he. I mean, that's how you get get money. You have to. You have to do what the studio says. Yeah. Um, so the the next actual song on this album is um, I think my favorite one on the album um, is the way I am. Yeah, um, written by him and produced by him. So I mean, this is this is one we really dove into Eminem, uh, Marshall Mathers, right? And but but I also think that the Steve Berman skit kind of accompanies it a little, accompanies it very well as well. Uh, well, you yeah, know, when but... he was talking about how. You know, he's like, do you know why, you know, Dr. Dre sells more is like, is like, he's rapping about big screen TVs, blunts, 40s and bitches. You're rapping about homosexuals and Viking and I can't sell this shit. Either change the record or it's not coming out. Get the fuck out of my office. Um, You know, and it, it, it's it's a continuous theme with Steve Berman on later uh, records, obviously. Um, But I mean, definitely the way that I am is probably... I won't say his most powerful song, but it's definitely one of the, is definitely up there as far as being just, and we talked about it previously on, on, on past episodes, but I mean, this is definitely one of those songs that he's getting so much venom off of his chest. He's getting so much just anger off of his, you know, chest. And he, uh, I mean, it's kind of like what the, you know, what we talked about on the previous one, you know, it was him basically telling people, you know, I am whatever you say I am, you know, you know, pretty much, you know, like when we talked about it in the, uh, I talked about it previously where we talked about how, like when the dude's getting bullied and shoots up to school and they blame it on Maryland and the heroin, where were the parents at? Look where it's at middle America. Now it's a tragedy. Now it's so sad to see an upper class city having this happen and yet attack him and Eminem. Cause I rap this way, you know, again, making more references to the Columbine shooting that, t- that took place like not even a year ago, you know, in terms of the album. So right. Chip, what about you? Uh, I mean, definitely, like, this song, you know, it, it, it it's a more darker and emotionally driven sound uh, than most of the stuff on this album. But uh, uh, the one, in the first verse, the, the one lyric that really stands out to me, where he says, but at least have the decency in you to leave me alone when you freaks see me out in the streets when I'm eating or feeding my daughter to not come and speak to me. Uh, like that as even if you're a celebrity, you should still have as a fan, you should have the decency. Like if you see this man sitting there eating food and feeding his child, like let him be, wait till he's done. And and then, you know, Hey, you know, Hey man, uh, just want to let you know, you know, your music speaks to me or whatnot, you know, uh, could I have an autograph or something, but to interrupt a meal, like to me, that's, uh, maybe taking it a bit too far. Yeah, exactly. I've I've never, I'm sorry, Roger, go ahead. Well, I would say I've never understood the whole, I'm a fan of you. I see you. I'm going to bother you kind of thing. Like I've never understood that. If you're a fan of them, you respect and appreciate them. Why, why would you not be respectful to them at all? Like, I, I just, I never understood it. Like, I mean, we've met 
guys in the business that you know we've looked up to are really you know important and stuff like that we didn't dick ride them and bother them the whole time i mean you know we were respectful let them do what they were doing if they wanted to talk we'd talk you know right like 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 when uh, i uh <laughs> right like we we did the um we did the uh the the uh superstars of wrestling tour um uh show we actually do we did both of them actually uh the second one was was really cool um because we got a chance to meet rick flair and I didn't like we knew Ric Flair was in the dressing room, the, the dressing room that was right near like where the booking area was and gorilla and all that. But we didn't go in the dressing room. We, no one just busted up in the dressing room. And, you know, unless you were like a direct contact with Flair or whatever, like you didn't just bust up in the dressing room. Hey, I, where are you going? I'm saying hi to Rick. Motherfucker, get the fuck out of it. You know, we waited until he right. actually came and we didn't even know he was coming. Like, we're just sitting here talking to uh, we're talking to Woody and Randall Brown. God rest his soul. And then he just came out. Um, and I went, I, I extended my hand, we shook hands and 99% of me is completely 100% professional. How you doing, sir? Nice to meet you. Talon, nice to meet you. But that 1% in the back of my head saying, holy fuck, this is Rick fucking flair. You know, like that's where my mom went, you know, completely, you know, but, but right. there's, but there's a way, there's a way of doing it. It ain't like me saying, I was like, oh my God, I remember the matches you had with Ricky Steamboat, Harley race and, you know, Dusty Rhodes and blah, blah, blah. And you're run with evolution and blah, blah, blah. Like no one did that, you know? At least if they did, I wasn't around to see it. But that's right. a story. Um, so uh, back to not to cut you. No, off, no, go ahead. I was done trying to trying to <laughs> trying to stay on track with time, right? Uh, <laughs> so you don't get cut uh, off again, to, <laughs> right? Uh, but back to this song. Um, so as I said, it, it features a more darker and emotionally driven sound than the album's lead single, "The Real Slim Shady." This was actually the the second single. Um, however, the way I am was actually recorded before the real Slim Shady as a direct result of the record company putting pressure on M to create a poppy first single for the album. Which I mean, that's that's my thing. Always with rap is that when you have actual lyricists who want to make an album, they always have to make the quote unquote radio song. Um, even to this day, like J Cole, Joyner Lucas, Kendrick, when he makes an album. They all have to have a pop song that doesn't, I'm not going to say it doesn't mesh, it doesn't go with the album, but it doesn't seem like it should be on the album sometimes. You're like, oh, uh, you had to do this for the radio play, I get it. Right. But every other song has got some actual, like, deeper meaning or some kind of, like, play on something, like, continuation or something like that. Um, and yeah, the uh, Real Some Shady is exactly that. Like, the rest of the album is trying to, like tell more stories and go away from some shady and then they like yo no do what you did before so he they went before made a goofy funny song right. which i think that but that's what so many people known him for they known him for the goofy songs they known him for songs like my name is and they know him from different things like that because that's what he when he made the goofy shit you know even the stuff that was more like horror horrorcore esque type he still made it sound goofy like the whole thing with you know 97 bonnie and clyde like that was yeah i mean it was a pretty it was a horror horrible horrible you know subject matter but he made it to where it was funny you know in a sense it was almost like a black horror like like dark humor you know what i'm saying yeah black comedy. yeah um but yeah. Uh, to, for me honestly i like the real slim shady song but me personally, it's not one of my top five on the album. 
you know, I think it's a fun, I think it's a great song, funny lyricism, really cool. You know, in the second verse, he kicks it off with, you know, Will Smith, Will Smith don't got a cuss on his raps to sell records. Well, I do. So fuck him and fuck you too. Like, yeah, that shit's funny and stuff. And it was a funny song to me. I wasn't vibing with it the same way that I vibed with everything else that I listened to on the record. You know, like I get that that was his radio friendly song, but it still wasn't a song that I, I like it, but I don't like it as much as the way I am or kill you or uh bitch please volume two or criminal or, you know, Marshall Mathers or I'm back or any of those other songs, you know, um, you know, right. like, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I mean, that's just me. Uh, I mean, I, I like it as a standalone song, but listen to the album again, I I didn't really vibe with it. It almost I, doesn't I fit. To, yeah, it, like I said before, it doesn't. It's a song that doesn't mesh. Like, oh, I get it. You had to do this. And well, you could tell. <laughs> yeah. So so speaking of it not fitting, when M originally handed in the Mathers LP to Interscope, this song was not on the original album. And nope. uh, Jimmy Iovine stated that the album was spectacular, but they needed a song to introduce the album. Frustrated, Eminem uh, felt he couldn't produce another My Name Is. So under pressure, he began rush recording tracks, but instead of crafting a formulaic single, he just recorded the song The Way I Am. Uh, just prior to the deadline, Eminem got back into the studio with Dre and they swiftly crafted what became the album's lead single in The Real Slim Shady. Uh, and then if you, I don't know if you guys remember this, but shortly after the release of this song, that uh, that chick Emily Ellis uh, released the parody version called Will The Real Slim Shady Please Shut Up? Do you guys remember that? I, 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 I don't remember it, but I remember I, it. Yeah. I remember, I remember the situation. I just don't remember the song. Like, I just obviously I didn't care about it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so in, in that song, it, it's basically uh, her rapping as Christina Aguilera, which which is really crazy. Like the 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 intro is "May I have your attention, please." Will the real Slim Shady please shut up? I repeat. Will the rim, real Slim Shady please shut up? We're going to have a problem here. And then the first verse is, y'all act like you never heard a white person before. His rhymes are a bore. Punk kid trying to be hardcore. The mushroom mouth is back worse than before. Making a snore, whining in the microphone. It's the return of the, oh wait, no wait, you're a fool. You didn't pay money for this CD, did you? And Dr. Dre did everything, you idiot. Without Dr. Dre's defense, you're as good as dead. Uh, well, shit. <laughs> and I, 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 no, it gets it gets kind of worse. Ooh, but uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I wonder who I wonder wrote, who wrote that for her. <laughs> but there's also a. Uh, it's also telling, like, why you never heard from her again. Like, you know, who who is Emily Ellis? <laughs> No, no offense to to anybody, but like this is literally the only song she ever put out. I, yeah. <laughs> See, this this is the thing where you do where I do, and you'd be like the who, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who, who, uh, who, who, who does be? Is there an owl in here? What the fuck? 
<laughs> so, um, but yes. Uh, so the next one, um, it is a uh, wow. I can't read. Next one is a uh, remember me uh, with RBX and Sticky Fingers. I actually like this song yes. a lot. Yes. Um, it's got that old hip hop feel to me. At least to me, it did. Who's RBX? Was he in Onyx too? I don't think no. so. Yes. RBX is. Uh, no, he just. Uh, no, he, he's best known for his contributions on the album The Chronic. Uh, and then Sticky Fingers, who's also on this, is best known as a member of the early gangster rap group Onyx. Yeah. Yeah, I know Sticky Fingers from Onyx, but RBX is from Death Row Records. His cousin's actually Snoop Dogg. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. My fa- yeah, Sticky Fingers is he's he's one of them underground artists. He was with Onyx and a lot, and he they had a big deal back in the nineties. Um, but he a lot of his solo stuff. I've I've heard a lot of his solo stuff too. Uh, he's. Really I remember good. my favorite song by him is uh, the song "Man Up," and I heard that off the Def Jam uh, "Fight for New York" soundtrack. So, yep. yeah. so quick thing about the Def Jam Fight for New York. Um, so they actually have a competitive fight scene um, still to this day. Um, and Sticky Fingers is actually a banned character because of how overpowered he is because he wasn't meant to, since he was technically the semifinal boss of the game, they didn't actually balance him to other characters. They balanced him to how far your um, original character should have been at that point. Right. That's why it was such a bitch to beat him, but you could beat Snoop Dogg in like a few minutes. I mean, all you have to do is just keep pushing him into the yeah. fire. Yeah. Man, that's such a good storyline, though. Like, that whole game. Was just I love good. that game. I play that game at least once a year. I stream it almost every yeah. year. You know, yeah. and, but I mean, I mean, it was it was like Sticky's character was, you know, he felt betrayed, but he really wasn't betrayed, but he felt betrayed. And, you know. No, he was betrayed. <laughs> he was betrayed. He was Demon's best fighter that got replaced by some dude that just got lucky at Duffin. That was you. But, but, but it was you. <laughs> yeah. And I was just Duffin mid level characters. <laughs> and then you beat the shit but out I mean, of and then you beat the shit out of Buster Rhymes with a truck and yeah, it was yeah. That parking lot brawl match is so yeah, awesome. Is. All right. There's so many finishes to yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, let's continue yeah. on. <laughs> I promise, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, so, uh, we will get to discussing Def Jam games eventually. Yeah, there's except for two. Icon. Icon fucking sucked. There's like I said, there's only yes. two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so a quick snippet about this song. The name of the track uh is quite appropriate because most people who bought the album would have had to rack their brains to remember RBX and Sticky Fingers. Uh but also the chorus sounds very similar to DMX's Get At Me Dog. Which came out two years earlier. Hmm. I did not yeah, know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. So, uh, so on to the next one. Um, I'm back. Talon's uh, already referenced this one a lot, so I'll let you take yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a <clears throat> big fan of that. Big fan of the song. I'm back. <laughs> um, it was. It it was so it, it's so crazy because like he, again, uh, this is a song that he kind of went back to because in the third verse, the third verse is really the, the, the verse that everybody kind of remembers from this song um, where he goes, 
I take seven kids from Columbine, stand them all in line at an AK-7 revolver, a nine, a Mac-11. It ought to solve a problem of mine. And that's a whole school of bullies shot up all at one time. Basically, going back to the Columbine, you know, shooting that took place, you know, on um, 420 of 1999. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, he references that a lot. And the reason I think the reason why he referenced it a lot is because so many kids blamed him. So many people, senators and all that shit was blaming Eminem, uh, Rammstein, um, uh, Marilyn Manson, you know, video games, everything like that, you know, on, you know, the shooting stuff. Although Eminem did point out, you know, that's a whole school of bullies shot up all at one time. Um, Almost not not like he's defending the actions of what they did. But it was more like. You know, like hey, these, you know, basically pretty much he would pretty much say he's pretty much saying what he would do almost in a sense. He goes, because I'm shady. They call me as crazy as the world is over the whole Y2K thing. And by the way, sync, why do they sing? Am I the only one who realizes that they stink? Like and then, you know, poking fun at the pop stars and poking fun at the, uh, you know, the, the, the one part of the third verse that just blows my mind was the one part where he goes, Cause if I ever stick it to any singer in showbiz, it'd be Jennifer Lopez and Puffy. You know this. I'm sorry, Puff, but I don't give a fuck if this chick was my own mother. I still fuck her with no rubber and come inside her and have a son and a little brother at the same time just to say that it ain't mine. Like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck are you thinking writing that lyric? And then it's like, oh, wait, he, he did drugs and wrote this record. That's why. So anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, what about you, Jip? So, uh, I was going to say a rather unknown fact is that this is actually the fourth single off of this song or off of this album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's really, uh, him taking a kind of a step back and, and revising the, uh, alter ego of Slim Shady on this track. Right. You know, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean the whole the whole song I, I think is good you know I mean in the first verse where he says I murder a rhyme one word at a time you never heard of a mind as perverted as mine you better get rid of that nine it ain't gonna help what's it good what good's it gonna do against a man that strangles himself right like yeah yeah uh so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's definitely uh in the vein of slim shady and less Eminem yeah yeah uh, so <laughs> it's like slam for pete's sake but down christopher reeve's legs <laughs> yeah like that oh yeah and, um so the song actually following this one is uh marshall mathers yeah it, you yeah. want to take uh, this one chip yeah you want to take this one chip <laughs> I, I was gonna say uh the the beginning intro like before it ever goes into anything he says you know i just don't get it last year i was nobody this year i'm selling records nobody or now everybody wants to come around like i own something the fuck you want from me 10 million dollars and, and that was a reference to uh his mom suing him yeah uh yep. you know for 10 million dollars <laughs> right for, for 10 million dollars uh so you know and she sued him sued him uh for defamation due to the way she was portrayed on the first album uh but then he goes on to say 
you see I'm just Marshall Mathers. I'm just a regular guy. I don't know why all the fuss is about me. No, nobody ever gave a fuck about me. All they ever did was doubt me. Now everybody just want to run around and try to take shots at me. Yep. Uh, and then he goes into like that that first verse. It, it's dude, it's so hard. It is it's like yo, you might see me jogging, you might see me walking, you might see me walking a dead dead Rottweiler dog with his head chopped off in a park with a spike collar, hollering at him because the son of a bitch won't quit barking. I was like, like that first part. <laughs> Like, I, I, when you listen to it, you're like, fuck. Like, you just imagine some dude walking through the park with a, a, a dead Rottweiler. <laughs> just the head. Head chopped off. Yeah, just the yeah. head. Yeah, and it's like, why are you yelling at him? The son of a bitch won't quit barking. He's dead. He ain't even, you know. But, I th- but like, I, right. I remember, you know, I mean, that was like, in the, in the, he, he took a lot of shots at a lot of celebrities, a lot of the uh, the pop princesses and the boy bands. I'm anti Backstreet and Ricky Martin. Those in, those instincts to kill to kill NSYNC. Don't get me started. Those fucking brats can't sing and Britney's garbage. What's this bitch re- retarded? Give me back my sixteen dollars, you know. And then um, the one part at the end of the first verse um, was basically just tearing apart Insane Clown Posse. Um, where he got who? Hang on, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Hang on, because I do because because I will admit I do listen to Insane Clown Posse on occasion. But I will say this: uh, it says that would have been that would have been the uh, second verse talent. No, it's the first verse. I'm looking at the lyrics mm-hmm. right now. It's the first verse. No, because the first verse ends with um, whatever happened to wilding out and being violent. Whatever happened to catch a good old fashioned ass passionate ass whooping and getting your shoes coat and your hat taken. Then it goes into the bridge, and the second verse is where he says, "Faggy, too dope and silent, gay, claiming Detroit when y'all live twenty miles away, and I don't wrestle, I knock you faggots the fuck out." Ask them about the club they was at when they snuck out after they ducked out the back when they saw us and bugged out, ducked down and got paintballs shot at their trucks. Look at y'all running y'all mouth again when you ain't seen a fucking mile road south of ten, and I don't need help from D twelve to beat up two females and make up who. <clears throat> who may try to scratch me with Lee Nails, Slim Anus, damn right, I'm Slim Anus. I don't get fucked in mind like you two little flaming faggots. Yeah, just went in on him. That was the second verse. Yeah. Hmm. Then, then, then this, then this, then azlyrics.com didn't split the, didn't split it then because it's looking like no, one continuous uh, thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's showing one continuous. I guess that's why I thought it was one continuous verse. But I don't yeah. know. But yeah, it looks like it. Oh, okay. Okay, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, they didn't split the verse. They didn't. They they must have not yeah. hit the return button twice. Uh, <laughs> but anywho, so the third verse actually ends with him taking shots at Double XL Magazine. Oh God, yes. Um, <laughs> and so it goes into, and then to top it off, I walk to the newsstand to buy this cheap ass little magazine with a food stamp. Skip to the last page, flip right fast, and what do I see? A picture of my big white ass. Okay, let me give you motherfuckers some help. Uh, here, Double XL, Double XL. Now your magazine shouldn't have so much trouble to sell. I oh, fuck it, I even buy a couple myself. <laughs> right? Yeah, because that's when he was having so, a beef with Benzino. Yeah. 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 Trash, trash ass Benzino. Yeah. Uh, if you well, if you listen to Nick Cannon, oh no, nah, Benzino, little gangster. Yeah, that's what he said on Ti's podcast. 
I mean, to Nick Cannon, he is a gangster. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was listening to the Breakfast Club one morning, 50 Cent, when talking <laughs> about the whole beef between Eminem and fucking uh, Nick Cannon. And uh, 50 was like, man, Nick Cannon's so corny, though. Like, no, he tries to be, I, I look at him the same way I look at Will Smith. Like, I don't really consider him a hip hop artist. He's just a, an actor that can rap. I've never listened to any Nick Cannon verse and thought, ooh, bars. Yeah. <laughs> I started laughing when I heard that part. But anyway. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, not wrong at all. Not wrong at all. Um, so the next, next song well, on the well, album is... Uh, hold on. I was oh, going okay. to say real quick. Um, yeah. So it, it, what's funny about him tearing Double uh, XL a new asshole, basically, is in August of 05... They uh, Eminem and Double XL actually teamed up to release a special issue titled Double XL Presents Shade 45 and was designed to give maximum exposure to Shade 45 as a radio station. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, I'm taking any publicity I can, even if it's me getting thrashed. Right. Right. Isn't that the old saying? Any publicity is good publicity? Uh, I mean, people say that, but. It don't always work that way. No. Not always. Uh, yeah. But the next song on the album is a uh, drug ballad. Or ballad, yeah, I guess. Drug ballad, yeah, drug yeah. ballad. Basically, it's just uh, him talking about getting fucked up on drugs, drugs. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, this must have been his trip to Amsterdam all in one song. Probably. Must have been. I look at, see, I look at this. I look at drug ballad in the same vein as I look at Come On Everybody from the first record. Because it's mm-hmm. the exact same kind. It's got that that drum beat that goes into that bass line, and then you got the girl that's singing. You know, kind of like it's kind of like a serenade deal or whatever, and then goes into the you know because it kind of has the same feel to it. It has a party feel to it, you know, um, and uh, where it says back when Mark Wahlberg was Marky Mark, this is how we used to make the party start. Used to mix him with Bacardi Dark, and when it kicks in, you can hardly talk. And by the 6th gen, you can probably crawl and you'll be sick then. You'll probably barf. And my prediction is you'll probably fall into some way in the lobby or the hallway wall. Just continuously going down the uh, the wormhole of uh, just drunkenness almost, you know. Um, but, yeah, what do y'all think about this one? Uh, I, I mean, thought it, I thought it was a catchy tune. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, but, so, th- this is, uh, like, basically m's love song uh so he actually tells his uh love hate relationship with alcohol solvents ecstasy and who knows what else uh basically any substance he can cram into his body a ballet that continued in 2008 when he left rehab and embarked on sobriety uh in his book angry blonde he says this song is just another one of those tracks that we did one day just fucking around i wrote the rhyme in about 20 minutes all three verses the hook was simple i hummed jeff the bass line i wanted to touch out or touch on how last year i was always fucked up life was like a big party for me it was the first year that i blew up and i did a lot of celebrating um and also in the clean version of this out of the album the word drug was removed from the title so it was just called ballad (laughs) wow Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, there's it's nothing much to say about the song besides it's just a 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a party anthem issue. <laughs> but anywho. Um, right. Yeah, more or less, yeah. yeah. Um, so the next song on this album is uh, Amityville um, with Bizarre on it from D12. Um, this song is so underrated. It is. It really is. It's actually one of my, one of my favorites in this album for sure. Um, but uh, for people that know, Amityville is actually a town in uh, New York. Uh, and there's a horror movie series, The Amityville Horror, based upon it. But this is actually referencing Detroit and how gruesome it is. Um, I mean, there's just a lot about it. Um, the track was originally supposed to actually feature Outsiders members, Young Z and Pace One, but uh, Dr. Dre actually complained that the album had too many features already at this point. Uh, Eminem actually had to remove their verses from it, and he had made the last one himself. So, uh, so originally it was supposed to be a different song, to be honest. Huh. Yeah. Oh wow! Uh, and it actually resulted in a rift between Eminem and Pac One, uh, specifically the later has released diss tracks aimed at Eminem since Dre had him remove them from the uh, song. Yeah, yeah, but who pretty much made out better in this whole situation? Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But um, so, what do you guys thought about this song? I actually, like, I mean, Chip already said it's one more underrated one. We like this one. Yeah. Um, like this, this fits Bizarre's style of rap. Uh, for people who don't know Bizarre, the, his name is his style. <laughs> yeah, very much. I mean, and you can tell that. I mean, I, I guess it. I guess it's no fit, no secret, no or no. Um wonder why he ended up uh hooking up with king gordy and being a part of the uh the last american rock stars uh group that that that's a whew, that's that's some crazy shit right there um but now there's one uh there's one oh my god like here's one and god forgive me for reading this lyric but holy shit so it says i fucked my cousin in his asshole slit my mother's throat Guess who Slim Shady just signed to Interscope? My little sister's birthday, she'll remember me. For a gift, I had 10 of my boys take her virginity. The bitches know me as a horny-ass freak. Their mother wasn't raped. I ate her pussy while she was asleep. Pissy drunk, throwing up in a urinal. You fucking homo, that's what I said at my dad's funeral. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Well, that was it. Was, it was a back and forth between him and Eminem on this. Verse. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't specify it on the uh, thing that I'm watching. But believe or I'm looking at. But even still, that's still a fucked up thing to do. Yes. What else bizarre thing is like he just tries to say as much random twisted stuff yeah. as he can. But that's like that, that, that's like what hardcore pretty much is now. You know. But the way he does it, he tries to make it a. He does dark comedy rap. He does right. Very dark, twisted stuff, but he makes it humorous. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that's like I mean if you ever heard the song Vader by uh, King Gordy, it kicks off with this weird shit like "fuck jail time, fuck if you're twelve or nine years old, you get a dildo in your ear hole." Is like what <laughs> you know, just weird shit. But 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 that's what hardcore is now is just randomly screaming, singing you know, like just the the worst shit you could possibly think of together in songs, pretty much. Exactly. I mean, isn't that what horrorcore is supposed to be? Yeah, but at least with, I mean, like when Ghetto Boys did horrorcore, at least they told a story with their, you know, music. 
you know, you know, Eminem, you know. Yeah, but their was their stuff was about being on drugs and seeing shit and experiences and stuff like that. Right. So. All right. So the next one we got is part two. Bitch, please, Bitch, please too. too. Yep. Yep. I actually was listening <laughs> yeah, to this earlier. Uh, it's actually a sequel to a Snoop Dogg track featuring Exhibit and Nate Dogg that appeared on his Snoop's 99 album, No Limit Top Dog. Uh, and it features the aforementioned artist. Uh, so Snoop, Exhibit, Dre, plus Dr. Or, uh, Nate Dogg, plus Dr. Dre and Slim Shady. Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird that, that that he did the sequel to a Snoop song, you know. Right. But he made it work. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. You know, which this one was this one was just I mean, this was a song you know to vibe to pretty much. You know, Dre kicked it off. You know, Snoop Snoop came in. Nate, man, God, I miss Nate Dogg so much, man. He was so, Nate Dogg is probably one of the best feature rappers ever. Oh yeah, so dude, so underrated as you know. And it was just a simple, you know, it's like, you don't really want to fuck with me. Only one that I trust is me. Fuck around and make him bust this heat. And then it's got Snoop coming in with that das devil. They always want to dance. Like, oh shit, <laughs> you know. Um, and a um, couple of me, Exhibit goes off on the album. Uh, y- you know, this the whole the whole song itself is just incredible to listen to. Um Probably one. I would say this is probably the most underrated song on the album, except for Amity, except Amityville. Then probably this one, back to back. So, and then we oh, got. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like Exhibits first a lot on this album. Oh yeah, or this song, not this album, but this. Well, <laughs> this album technically because yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the only one he has. On, yeah, yeah, his own yeah. feature. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but not like Exhibits such an underrated rapper too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next song is the the great love song called Kim. Oh, man. <laughs> this is this, this I is mean, the, we kind of already touched on that a lot. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, the, the lyrics are just, whew. But it's actually, is it like it's weird because isn't this what like it's a prequel to yeah, it's a prequel Bonnie to, Clyde exactly. Um, so M actually wrote in his book Angry Blonde uh, this little media favorite was actually the first official song that I wrote for the album I had to complete it back in 98 when the first album was done I wrote this song when Kim and I weren't together we were broken up at the time uh, this was the end of 98 I remember I was watching a movie one day that inspired me to write a love song but I didn't want to make a corny love song it had to be some bugged out shit though i don't remember what movie i was it was i do remember feeling the frustration of us breaking up and having a daughter all in the mix i really wanted to pour my heart out but yet i wanted to scream so the same day i went to the flick i i went back to the studio and once again walked into a session with the perfect beat already playing surprisingly enough kim was the only track on the album that i had nothing to do with in terms of production uh, FBT created the track and they had it all ready for me in the studio when I started writing the song I thought that maybe I could tie it into 97 Bonnie and Clyde so I decided to make it a prequel you never would have thought but I played it for her 
once we started talking, I asked her to tell me what she thought of it. I remember my dumb ass saying, I know this is a fucked up song, but it shows how much I care about you to even think about you this much, to even put you in a song like this. I did the vocals in one take. The mood I wanted to capture was that of an argument that me and her would have ha would have had. And judging from the attention the media has given this song, you can see that's exactly what I did and then some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I think people tend to forget, like, if you haven't heard the song in a while, like, I'm going back and I'm looking through the lyrics and stuff. I totally forgot about the one part where he's like, this is after he did the first part where he's just, where he's just talking like like he's talking about like the baby where he goes, can't believe it now you're too baby you're so precious daddy's so proud of you, sit down bitch you move again I'll beat the shit out of you then it goes straight into the song, and it's uh, there's one part in it and as I'm reading the lyrics I just found it as like at first I'm like all right you want to throw me out that's fine but not for him to take my place are you at your mind this couch this TV this whole house is mine. How could you let him sleep in our bed? Look at him, Kim. Look at your husband now. I said, look at him. He ain't so hot now, is he? Like, oh, shit, I forgot he killed somebody in the first part of the song. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, right. like, it's like, oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The the, the whole song was just. It, it, I mean, it was so. Especially at the end of the second verse where he's like, get the fuck away from me. Don't touch me. I hate you. I hate you. I swear to God, I hate you. Oh, my God, I love you. How the fuck could you do this to me? You know, so it's like basically, basically it was like him saying, okay, she cheated. That's what kind of led to the whole, you know, thing of them, you know, like, okay, this is where the anger is coming from. This is where the, you know, the, the, the vitriol and the hatred is coming from at this point, you know. Um, you know, very much like, I mean, going through a, a separation is fucked up enough. You know, it, it, with kids involved, that's definitely more of a fucked up situation because then the kids have to see that shit. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm home listening, I'm like, I wonder what Haley thinks of this song. You ever, you ever stop and think about that for a second? Like, I wonder what Haley actually thought about her dad making a song about this about her mother. I, I mean, I'm. I, I would guess to say she probably didn't hear this song until she like became an adult. Uh, for all the shit that M, people say about him, uh, you can really tell that he's like a good father, right? Uh, you know, because he has full custody of his daughter. He has full custody of one of Kim's sisters' daughters. Uh, full custody of like his stepbrother uh and whatnot you know right. so i mean he took all these kids in and, and raised them up right <clears throat> so and then oh Haley gonna go mess around with mgk but uh let's not talk about that <laughs> yeah let's we'll talk about that. that at a different time when we talk <laughs> about rap beefs sick of them corny suits and headbands let's talk about it Oh shit! I actually finally found a um, found a MGK song I liked. Oh, yeah. Is it that my bloody Valentine shit well, that he was doing? Um, it's uh, Daywalker. Ah. Oh yeah, you sent I, that in the chat not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've like I finally found one. To, well, no, no, I, I I can't I can't shit on him 
too much because he does have some songs that I do enjoy. Um, my favorite uh, MGK song is uh, uh, See My Tears. That's the, that's the one that I really do enjoy. Uh, that one, uh, Glass, uh, Glass House is a good one. Um, Lace Up is a good one. The one he does with uh the one he does with Jeezy is a good one too. Uh I think it's Hold On Shut Up, I think is the name of it. But anyway, let's continue. Let's continue on. We're not talking about NGK at this moment. Nope. <laughs> um so next song. Next song is uh mm-hmm. Under Influence featuring uh the the squad. Yep. Uh D twelve. Uh, I love D twelve so yeah. much. Um uh-huh. I think after we do all the MM solo, we should probably do the 2D12. Well, 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 hang on. Well, well, I was fixing to ask, since Eminem is a part of the D12 uh, group, could we throw a D12 album in between the albums? Or do you just want to stick it strictly to Eminem? Uh, Yeah, I'd like to pay a lot of attention to them, like get through all of uh, M's albums and then hit like... uh, the two D twelve albums and maybe the uh, Bad Meets Evil album as well. Right. Oh, Rasta Five Nine. That's yes. just a dumb name. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, there's uh, some bad rapper names, but why? Why do you guys put your height? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's just... like, the, you, you, oh, you five nine. Am I supposed to be scared of you, bro? Like, right. Uh, Makes you want to rethink Takashi Six Nine, doesn't it? Who? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about Snitch Boy. <laughs> Snitch Boy. Yeah. And we don't talk about that guy around here. We he, he ain't part of hip hop, right? He literally is the opposite of hip hop. <laughs> he snitch hop, right? Yeah, he's he definitely snitching. Uh, but um, yeah, let's get uh, under the influence. Um, yeah, so under the influence. Uh, so this track ironically follows Kim, possibly the most disturbing and graphic, graphic song of Eminem's career. In comparison to the emotionally draining and heavy subject matter in Kim, Under the Influence is lighthearted and relatively substance-less. However, the song serves the purpose of responding to critics of the harshness of Kim, where Eminem says, so you, <clears throat> so you can suck my dick if you don't like my shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a very aggressive song. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it does come from a place of anger and drugs. So, <laughs> right, yeah. the whole album is just so angry. Um, yeah, not, I mean the the hook the hook to the album says literally, "So you can suck my dick if you don't like my shit." Because I was high when I wrote this, so suck my dick. <laughs> right. Because I don't give a fuck if you don't like my shit. Because I was high when I wrote this, so suck my dick. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's all you need, you know. And it's Swift, Swifty, so, uh, Bizarre, Proof, Canava, Con Artist all got on the track with them. Um, so uh, to point out how bizarre Bizarre actually is, he's he's the third verse of the song. And he starts out with, I'm a compulsive liar, setting my preacher on fire, slashing your tires, flying down Fink and Myers. Plates expired. As soon as I'm fired, I'm hired. Jacking my dick off in a bed of barbed wire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, so. is Bizarre performing? <laughs> Bitch, don't read the flyer. The special invited guest will be Richard Pryor. 
Aren't you a male dancer? No, bitch, I'm retired. Fucking your bitch in the ass with a tire <laughs> iron. I'm ripped and I'm on acid trip. My DJ's in a coma for letting the record skip. Letting the record skip. Letting the record skip. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm fuck, like I'm fucking anything when I'm snorting. I'm gonna cost three hundred dollars to get my pit bull an abortion. Some bitch asked me for my autograph. I called her a whore, spit beer in her face, and laughed. I dropped bombs like I was in Vietnam. All bitches is hoes, even my stinking ass mom. Yeah, like <laughs> bizarre is bizarre. Bizarre, exactly. Like, like his 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 stage name really fits what he does in uh, verses. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. because because and again, he is so completely different than everybody else. Like. Swifty, Proof, Canava, and Con Artist—they were all kind of similar in the vein, in the, in the same vein. Um, uh, in, in, in a way, I mean, they all have their different quirks and they all have their different uh, cadence and nuances and things of that nature. But Bizarre was the one that was really out there, you know, with, with his lyrical yeah. abilities. You know, because I, I can honestly sit here and say, like, Bizarre is a true horrorcore type artist you know because that's what he oh, yeah. that that's where his butter's breaded pretty much um so yeah i mean when, when anytime it's like oh bizarre's on this oh, i gotta listen to it i gotta see how fucked up this sounds you know so yeah um so the next one is technically the last one on the regular edition albums right. um uh criminal um Ooh, just burped there. Came out badly. Oof. Yeah, it actually provides plenty of examples of and excuses for Eminem's violent rhetoric. Uh, as M explained in his book, Angry Blonde, uh, and I know you guys hear me referencing that a lot. I actually own the book. Pick it up, give it a read. It's really good. Uh, I really wish he would actually do a, like a legit autobiography. Um I think it would be a hell of a read, but uh, I mean, you know, he's really private about things. Yeah. Um, so um, back to what I was saying, as as he explained in his book, Angry Blonde, criminal was my new still don't give a fuck from the Mathers LP. That's why I did the same intro as I did on the still don't give a fuck track. That's why just like still don't give a fuck. It's the last song on the record and it kind of sums up the whole album. Right. You yeah. know. And this song uh, got a lot of controversy around it. Like probably I don't know if it's the most controversial song that he has, but I mean it it came out the gate like you know when he says my words are like a dagger with a jagged edge, I'll stab you in the head whether you're a fag or les or homosex him her, her math or transvest, pants or dress, hate fags the answers. Yes, like that just that portion just People were like, oh my God, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? He is so horrible. Why does, would anybody listen to this? You know, um, you know, the, uh, you know, Glad came out in protest against it. Other, you know, uh, gay rights activists came out against it, you know, saying that the song was, you know, promoting hate and violence towards, you know, the, the gay community and things of that nature. And it's like, ugh, like, it's, it's pretty, 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 pretty brutal, <laughs> you know, shit, you know, what do you, what do y'all, what do y'all say about this? I mean, it is kind of anti-homo, homo, yeah. though. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot. I, I mean, they switch like a lot of stuff in the first verse is definitely aimed at mocking the gay community. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. Uh, I, 
it's also one of my favorite songs on that <laughs> right uh <clears throat> which which is which is weird to say because i, I mean i i support the L, lgbtq uh plus community right um but uh i, I just it, i don't know it, it it's really weird to say uh but i mean he's also making fun of himself in this album or in this song as well so like in the second verse to this song he said my mother did drugs hard liquor cigarettes and speed the baby came out disfigured ligaments indeed it was a seed who would grow up to be just as crazy as she don't you dare make fun of that baby because that baby was me <laughs> right I, you know i mean so yeah he pokes fun at you know the lgbtq community but he also pokes fun at himself uh at the same time but uh i, I think you know the uh I, the best part in my opinion is uh the skit in between the second and third verse right uh where it's it's him and mailman and they're going back and forth and mailman's all right he says like all right look Eminem says, uh-huh. He's like, just go open this motherfucker, get the motherfucking money, and get the fuck out. M's like, all right. Mailman's like, I'll be right here waiting for you. All right, yo, M, what? Don't kill nobody this time. All right, goddamn, this motherfucker gets on my fucking nerves. <laughs> uh, then he walks up to the teller, tells like, hi, how, how can I help you? Yeah, I need to make a withdrawal. Okay. Put the fucking money in the bag, bitch, and I won't kill you. What? Oh, my God, don't kill me. I'm not going to kill you, bitch. Quit looking around. Don't kill me. I got two kids. I got two kids at home. Don't kill me. I said I'm not going to kill you. Just fucking, I'm not going to fucking kill you. Don't kill me. Hurry the fuck up. Pow, pow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, <clears throat> basically saying, hey, you know, as he's going through, it's like, yeah, okay. The song's criminal, and 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 here's why, right? You know, and then the the last eight bars of the whole of the of the song was like, if I ever gave a fuck, I'd shave my nuts, tuck my dick between my legs, and cluck. You motherfuckers, you motherfucking chickens, just ain't brave enough to say the stuff I say. So to tape it up, so just tape it up. Half of the shit. Shit, half the shit I say, I just make it up to make you mad. So kiss my white naked, naked ass. And if it's not a rapper that I make it as, I'm gonna be a fucking rapist in a Jason mask. I'm like, whoa, okay. So yeah, you know. And then that was just that was it. I mean, and it repeats the course like four times in a row. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that 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 one was definitely a song that uh caused a lot of controversy. Had had you know had that little deal in the middle. Um. Yeah, I mean, it was. <laughs> it was something. Yeah, he, he killed Dre on the track. Like, <laughs> people don't think about that. Oh, that's Dre with an AK to his face. Don't make me kill him too and spray his brains all over the place. I told you, Dre, you should have kept that thing away. I guess it'll teach you not to let me play with it next time, eh? Or, you know, it's like, wow, this motherfucker killed Dr. Dre on the track. <laughs> that's crazy. Right. But anyway. Okay. Uh, isn't this the second time he's killed Dr. Dre? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so um the last one is on the deluxe album, but also the clean um version of the album. Um uh, for the clean re- version of the album it replaces Kim. Um because obviously a song about uh murder 
shouldn't be on the clean uh, version, but the song is a satirical PSA anti-drug kind of thing. Yeah, so he actually gives the students at South Park Elementary a lecture about drugs, and he does it with spot-on Mr. Hanky Cartman and Wendy Tisberger impersonations. <laughs> drugs are bad. Good. But yeah, this it's a it's a ridiculous song, but it's so funny at the same time. I can honestly say I've never heard um, it. Oh my god, I've never heard it. You need to go yes, back and listen. Yes, to it. you do. I'll listen to like, it. If you are a fan, if you are a fan of South Park, go listen to this. Okay. It's literally it's literally Eminem being in an episode of South Park that he wrote pretty much. Yep. Okay. He's literally just he's literally giving a an anti drug like PSA to the kids of South Park. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm, and it's just so funny and off the walls. I'm, so I'm, yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look it up when when we get done here. I didn't because I didn't even like know this song in- existed honestly. Oh yeah. Uh, the intro, he's like, and everybody should get along. Okay, children, quiet down, quiet down. Children, I'd like to introduce you to your new substitute teacher for the day. His name is Mr. Shady. Children, quiet down. Brian, don't throw that. Shut up. Mr. Shady will be your new substitute teacher while Mr. Ken Kniff, or Mr. Kniff is out with pneumonia. He got A. <laughs> Good luck, Mr. Shady. Okay. Man, that's just the intro. Like, it gets really, it gets really right, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to go. I'm yeah. going to have to find it then. I'm going to have to find it then. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Actually, I'll I'll send a link to it real quick. Yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll check uh, it out after we get done here. So, uh, so just to let you know how it starts, the very first the first verse starts off with "Hi there, little boys and girls. Fuck you. Today we're going to learn how to poison squirrels. But first, I like to I like you to meet my friend Bob. Huh? Say hi, Bob. Hey, Bob. Bob's sturdy and still lives with his mom." And he don't got a job because Bob's is at home and smokes pot. But his 12-year-old brother looks up to him an awful lot. And Bob likes to hang out at the local waffle spot and wait in the parking lot for waitresses off the clock. And when it's late and the lot gets dark and fake like he walks his dog, drives some woods and goes straight to the chopping box. And even if they escape and they get to the cops, the ladies will be so afraid they would drop the charge. To one night, Mrs. Stacy went off a job when she felt someone grab her whole face and said not to talk. But Stacy knew it was Bob and said, knock it off. But Bob wouldn't knock it off because he's crazy and off his rocker. Crazier than Slim Shady's off the vodka. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and then the chorus is like, see, see, children, drugs are bad. And if you don't believe me, ask your dad. Ask him, man. And if you don't believe him, ask your mom. She'll tell you how she does them all the time. So kids say no to drugs, so don't act like everyone else does, and there's really nothing else to say. Drugs are bad, okay? Okay. I get done here. All right. <clears throat> this is this is definitely a uh, more of a a, a, a comedy kind of thing. Um, it, it was the perfect song to put in place of Kim, for sure. Right. Um. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, I guess that does it for uh the second album of Eminem. Um, delving more into the Eminem aesthetics and his lyricism. Um, 
a lot more storytelling in a lot of these songs more than the first one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, um, I really, I really like it. It is one of my more favorite albums by him. Um, probably top two or top three for sure. Yeah, I'll, it's, it's definitely in the top three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, we'll get to it uh, later down the line. But I really like the the the, the direct follow up to this uh, in the Marshall Mathers LP two. Um, you know, a lot of artists will do. Uh, like like Lil Wayne, he's you know got the Carter one, two, three, four, and five, or whatnot. But when uh, Eminem did it and did the Marshall Mathers LP, he he basically took songs from the first Mathers LP and made sequels to them. Yeah, um, yeah. And I thought that was done really really well. Absolutely. All right. Well, um. Anything you guys want to say before we uh, head out? Uh, yeah. Uh, so join us in two weeks. Uh, we'll be back with battle topics where we uh talk about the other half of uh rap albums that we think deserve classic status. Yes. Uh, two weeks after that, we will uh be back with rap rewind here on the Patreon channel where we talk about the Eminem show. Um, as always, check out movementradio.us. That is your one-stop shop for all things Movement Radio. Uh, and again, if you just so happen to be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. It does nothing to help us monetarily. It just does. It helps uh, the algorithm get our podcast out to a broader audience. Yeah, and uh, shout out to we got a couple shout-outs. Uh, shout out to uh, Sean Thompson at Thompson Personal Training. Uh, shout out to Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversation Podcast. Shout out to our buddies uh, uh, Ivan Montanez, aka Unleashed Demon. Check out his Twitch channel. Um, yeah, man, a lot of cool things coming down the pipe for Movement Radio. A lot of got a lot of cool interviews set up. Um, you know, just waiting for the right day and time, and uh, you know, we'll make it happen for you guys. We love you guys, and we thank you for you know supporting us and you know everything that you guys have done for us just to help support the podcast. Uh, you guys are awesome. Um, so, anything you want to say before we get out of here today, Raj? Um, you know, just thank you for supporting us. You know, always leave a review. Um, if you're on Spotify, downloads help us a lot with the algorithm. Yes. Um, you know, you just support us any way you guys can. A dollar on the Patreon goes a long way. Um, downloads, reviews, suggestions, anything you guys want to, you know. Hey, we have a fan page. Literally, go on there and suggest something. Right, <laughs> like yeah. If you want us to talk about something specifically that you know you think we would be interested at or probably would be good at discussing, you know, do that. Yes, absolutely. Um, the more fan interaction, the the more you guys interact with us, the more we'll interact with you. I mean, this isn't for us; this is for you guys. Exactly. Uh, so again, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you guys, Chip. Let's hit him with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you go check out the YouTube channel, subscribe, click that bell to get notified of our latest videos right here on the Patreon channel and movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. I am Talon Williams. And I'm Roger Sierra. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan.